Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were there worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bargesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now... Behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for some time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. How are you guys doing? All right. Thanks for being here on Super Bowl Sunday. My name's Pastor Justin. For those who don't know, I'm the lead pastor here at New Heights Church. And I'm kind of biased, but if you're looking for a home church, I think this is a great one. Yeah. Yeah, we love Jesus and we love God's Word. We love it so much, in fact, that we preach through the Bible, uh, verse by verse, line by line, precept upon precept, book by book. We just love God's Word, don't we? Come on. All right. And today, if you're new, I mean, I'm pretty happy because we're getting back to verse by verse today. Yeah, somebody is. We, we in the month of December, always take a special, uh, uh, we do a special series focused on Christmas, and then I'll usually do a vision series, and we've been doing that the last three weeks. And today we get to jump back in the book of Acts and start digging into God's word again. And I couldn't be more excited. Well, hey, can I just say this? I love, I love this church so much. I love what God's doing in this church. I love the fact that we have been uniquely situated in the greater Cincinnati area on one of the most traveled highways. And this makes us unique in so many ways. I believe our capability is huge here. I do. I believe God has strategically placed New Heights Church in this city for a reason. I believe, and I believe with every local church, every local church has a ready pool of missionaries if they will just open their eyes to see them. Charles Spurgeon once said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. 
And what he meant by that is that all Christians, not just the special ones, not just the really super talented, gifted uh, Navy SEAL super saints, are called to leverage their lives and talents for the kingdom. God's calling into mission, in other words, is it's not a separate call that we receive years after our salvation. It's actually inherent in the very call of saying yes to Jesus. When you say yes to Jesus, there is a call on your life. Every believer, all of us, we're, we're given a spiritual gift and a role to play in, in the spread of this, this great gospel, this great news. Follow me, Jesus said, and I'm gonna make you fishers of men. So if you're following him, you've been commissioned as a fisher of men. If you said yes to Jesus, you are a fisher of men. It's for everyone, not just those who, who get the special tingly feeling at the altar and they feel, yeah, oh, this is a call. Or for those that are eating their um, uh, Cheerios and all of a sudden God has spelled something out in the Cheerios and it says go. Or for those that go to Great American Ballpark and they're cheering on the Reds and all of a sudden on the Megatron, it's saying, Justin, go to India. You guys don't have those moments? <laughs> Come on, we have missionaries come all the time. We have incredible speakers come. They'll share these awesome stories of how God called them, and, and God does that. There are those Damascus Road experiences. But, but so many Christians sit around waiting on a voice to tell them to do what God has already spelled out in a verse. Okay? So the question for all of us who have said yes to Jesus is, it's no longer are we called. Are we called to leverage our lives for the Great Commission? It, it's not that. It's only where and how. It's only where and how. So that's going to be the question that I want every New Heights Church partner, we don't call them members anymore, partners, to wrestle with. I'm praying that when you go to sleep, you're asking yourself this question. It's keeping you up at night. God made you good at something. Do it well for the glory of God, but do it somewhere strategic for the mission of God. Man, think about it. So many factors go into uh, why we choose the career we, we do or why we pursue the career we, we pursue. Why not make the kingdom of God the largest of those factors? Why not, right? And the truth is this, that God's calling for many of you, I want you to hear me, many of you will be right here where you are. But he's gonna want you to be way more intentional about leveraging your life for the kingdom. A lot of us, uh, we, I hear it a lot, uh, we, we yearn or we long for the old days, the good old days. And I gotta be honest, I'm guilty of this myself. I can't tell you how many times I've told my wife, I just can't, I, I miss uh, the church from when I was a kid because, uh, again, I'm just being transparent and being honest, and this isn't right, so don't think Justin's saying this and there's, there's truth to it. But I get up here sometimes and I, I miss the good old days. Man, I miss where Sunday night we were just flooding the altar and praying for hours. And the, the sermon usually was only 15 minutes because we wanted to save time for the altar. And we just, we just basked in, in the presence of God. I miss those days. I miss, I miss the days where people wanted to be at church, not just Sunday morning, but Sunday night and Tuesday night prayer and Wednesday night midweek service. And, and I, I say this all the time. And, and I think it's not just me. A lot of people, they long for the good old days, right? And... and and sometimes the more I read God's word and look for hope for, for this next generation, because that's what it'll do, immediately I start feeling bad for my children's generation. 
But the more I look to God's word, I start to wonder, maybe it's not them at all. Maybe it's not that generation, but more my failure or our failure to paint for them a compelling vision for global missions, for the mission of God. Maybe this generation coming up just needs to hear the challenge, and not, and not just the younger generation. But I think all generations right now, they're ready to hear once again William Carey's charge, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. Nothing? <laughs> I'm gonna say it again. Expect great things from God, attempt great things from God. Maybe that the younger generation needs to hear this more. New Heights Church, listen, God wants to offer you that challenge. I look at this church and it's amazing history and I see God's grace all over it in so many ways for so many years but I've been driven to pray that God would pour out his spirit once again on this place among his people in such a way that disciples would be made and churches would be planted in and across the Cincinnati area and across the world through this church. Been on a journey, I love studying the history of this church you know, uh, Ohio's in a lot of trouble right now, especially in the Assemblies of God, because there are two Hansons now in the state of Ohio. <laughs> my, my brother was just voted in as the lead pastor at Christian Life Center in Dayton, Ohio. And so the, now there are two Hansons in this area, and watch out. That's all I got to say, man. We get ourselves into so much trouble, and I think God for so long has kept us so far apart, but I can't promise you what's gonna happen in the next few years. It's gonna be great. But did you know that he is taking a church that was launched from this church? Yeah, I mean, you talk about how crazy this is. So back in the day, Pastor Hugh Rosenberg sent uh, a wonderful couple by the name of Roger and Elaine Hilligus to go start a church in the Dayton area, and that's what they did. So Pastor Hugh sent them with some money, they purchased some land, they launched this church, and here's this church today. I think the week that my brother was voted in, they were about 2,500 people that, that Sunday morning. 2,500 attended, and that was all because Pastor Hugh uh, acknowledged and saw a call on Roger and Elaine Hilligus's life and sent them, sent some of their best, this is gonna be a theme we talk about today, sent some of his best from his own congregation to go and start a church, and isn't that something? And you know, we were launched by, uh, it, well, the name is People's Church now, but I think it was called First Christian Assembly back in the day. Pastor Clyde Miller believed in Pastor Hugh Rosenberg. He helped us get some property out here, the property that we're on today. That was thanks to People's Church and Pastor Clyde Miller, who saw a call on Pastor Hugh's life and said, I'm gonna send him, and I'm gonna invest into him. Kingdom-minded principles. Isn't, isn't that crazy? You know that, yeah, it's kind of cool, it is. Jordan said, we're kind of sisters, you know, you're, you're our sister church, and I said, no, we're your mother church. <laughs> don't forget it. <laughs> call, you're gonna call me dad. <laughs> but man, again, I look at this church and I see God's amazing grace and the history of it. But I, I mean, I wanna see God to pour out his spirit once again. I want to see disciples made. I want to see churches planted. I want to see missionaries go out throughout the world. And I get it when I say that. Some of you might be thinking, Pastor Justin's crazy. He's young, he's naive, he's too idealistic. But guess what? I don't think so. Because I believe in the Bible. I believe in God's word. 
And so I love it today. I love how the Holy Spirit works because none of this was planned. You know, in our vision we talked, I, I, I responded to some questions I was getting in emails. What's tithes and offering? Which really is leading to the bigger question, uh, what does God want from my life? Well, he wants it all. He wants all of it, everything. And then we jump into Acts 13 where we're gonna see once again uh, God asking a church to sacrifice and send out for the kingdom. And, and we get to read about a church today that literally changed the entire world. I mean it. We see a global movement that started with one single moment in one local church. One of my favorite, I say this all the time, but this is probably my favorite chapter in all of the New Testament. Because as a result of this one single moment in our text, this one single moment in Antioch, over the next 200 years, the entire Roman world would be reached with the gospel. Over the next 2,000 years, the gospel of Jesus Christ would go to almost every single country in the world, and this happened because of one single church. And remember, at this point in the book of Acts, there were no churches who were sending people out to spread the gospel yet. The gospel had not yet gone to other nations, at least as a strategy from the church. We, I get it. Individuals had gone to different places, kind of being forced to, right, because of persecution. So they're kind of being pushed to go, but, but they weren't being sent. This is the first time in the New Testament their church is saying, we're going to send, send people. Okay? No New Testament church had willfully, deliberately sent out members to people and places that the gospel had not yet gone to. But all of the sudden, everything's about to change and the church in Antioch. It's about to change one local church. Now, with that being said, can I pray before we dive into the text? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes and, and join me in prayer? Father, I'm gonna pray a really uncomfortable prayer. God, as I've wrestled with this text all week, I think you wanna make us really uncomfortable today. And that's not usually what pastors pray for. <laughs> but God, will you send your Holy Spirit to connect to our hearts to see the truths of this passage today and help us apply it to our life and that we would be so challenged that it would almost make us uncomfortable, that we'd walk out of here uncomfortable because the Holy Spirit is doing something in our hearts. And sometimes it's good to be uncomfortable and to be challenged and to be stretched. And so I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. All right. I want us to look, we're gonna look at five traits from this church in Antioch, and at the end of the service, and I did not give a heads up, and I did this on purpose. At the end of the service, I'm gonna have the leadership of this church, whoever is here, so my board, who, whoever is here this morning, I want to come up, and I want all those who are members or partners of New Heights Church to come up as well, and we are going to pray over New Heights Church uh, that we would begin to have these characteristics or these traits of the church in Antioch. So that's what we're gonna do. If you're not a member or a partner of the church and you wanna be, good, come up and we're gonna pray. We're gonna, we're gonna make it a holy moment at the end of this sermon and we're gonna pray for this church and the future of this church and I'm excited to do it. All right, you ready to start unpacking this? All right, here's what I'm gonna do and I don't usually do this. Usually we read one verse at a time. I'm gonna read the whole thing. I know Tiffany read it, I'm gonna do it again and I want you 
to uh, underline if you're, if you're into underlining your Bible, if you're okay with that. If you're not, we have uh, Acts journals that you can go and uh, that's our gift to you. You can grab those and make all kinds of notes. Now, there's a lot of names in here that I'm gonna get wrong. Bear with me. Let's start, verse one. Now there were, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, uh, Manan, a lifelong friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. Man, that's, that's a lot of names. We're gonna look at that just in a little bit. Different names from different places very intentional that Luke's putting them in. Verse two, while they were worshiping, how about that? Worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. Aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit still speaks to us today? Aren't you glad that wasn't just something for the early church, that's something for us today? Churches are led by the Holy Spirit. He speaks into our lives. Believers are led by the Holy Spirit. I hope you're listening to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. God is leading us and guiding us and directing us. He's got a plan and a purpose. All right, verse three. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, is what I like to call it, Salamis, (laughs) They proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the magician, for that is the meaning of the name, opposed them. May you know when we do God's will, we can expect opposition. Seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith, but Saul, who was also called Paul, filled, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently and said, you son of the devil. <laughs> Just stop for a minute. You know, <laughs> I read this, I told Liz, I like Paul's strategy here. <laughs> he doesn't take any, any, he does not put up with anything, so I, I think, uh, yeah, so if, if, if you say something to me and I, I look at you and say, you son of the devil, you just, I'm following Paul, just teasing, just teasing. He looked intently at them and said, you son of the devil, you enemy of all, unrighte- or all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately, mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Man, what a story, right? What an incredible story. So the first trait I want to show you, the first characteristic of a powerful church is it's built upon the gospel, centered upon the gospel. Don't miss the fact that Luke takes special care to point out that the leadership of the Antioch church was multicultural. And some of you are thinking, why do you say that, Justin? Well, I say it because Paul was a Hellenistic Jew from Tarsus in Asia Minor. Barnabas was, was Jewish as well, but he hailed from the Mediterranean island of Cyprus. Menean was from Herod's household, 
which pretty much means this guy had a really privileged upbringing. And Simeon had the nickname Niger, which literally meant he was black. They were not politically correct back then. He was, he was from the region of sub-Sahara Africa uh, that the modern nation of Niger sits. And, so, and Lucius, was from, or Lucius was from Cyrene, modern-day Libya. So of the five leaders mentioned, one is from the Middle East, one from Asia, one from the Mediterranean, and two from Africa. And get this, all of it, all of it is in a predominantly Jewish context. So the leadership in Antioch was not, was not an accidental mixture of races and cultures. No. Holy Spirit doesn't do accidents. This was an intentional sign to the surrounding world. It's no surprise. Think about this. In Antioch, where did, where did we get the name Christians? Where, when did that happen? In Antioch, right? Why do you think they called them Christians? It wasn't a, a cute name. They, it was kind of mocking them because they, they didn't know what else to call them because these people had nothing in common except for the fact that they all followed Jesus. They all followed Christ. I mean, they're, they're a group of people that have nothing in common culturally, nothing but Jesus Christ. And that's important to hear. That's important to see that. Especially for those of you who are here today and you're not, you're not a Christian. First of all, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> if you're not a Christian, I'm glad you're with us. If you're watching online and you're not a Christian, I'm glad you're with us. But I, I need you to know that what unites this church together is not our politics. It's not our preferences. What unites us together as a church is the fact that every one of us are sinners. Every one of us have rebelled against a holy God. And I, you know what? It looks different for each of us. Okay? It, it does, but we all have done it. We're all guilty of rebelling against a holy God. We all have that in common because it doesn't matter how different it looks. At the core, it's rebellion against him. But here's the thing. We have all learned, and we get it from God's word, that God loved us so much he's not left us alone in our sin. He sent his son to pay the price for our sin, to die on the cross, to take the judgment due, uh, due because of our sin. He, he took it upon himself. And then he was going to rise from the dead in victory over sin, and that's exactly what he did. And so by putting our faith in him, we who are rebels against God, we experience forgiveness of all of our sin, and we've been reconciled to God. That's what unites us. That's what brings us together. Amen? It's not our ethnicity, it's not our history, it's not our ideology, and it's not any political position in the government. No, what unites us is the power of the gospel. And so if you are here and you have never put your faith in Jesus, if you are watching online and have never put your faith in Jesus, I invite you to do that. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Be forgiven of your sin. Be reconciled to God. This is what makes the church. They were united around the gospel. That's powerful. Don't miss it. Number two, powerful church is, has a desire to see God famous. It says, yeah, we'll get to that. Look at it. It says, I want you to see this. While they were, oh, while they were worshiping, while they were worshiping, Notice where this movement with missions starts. It started with worship. And I want to talk about that for a minute because it's really important. 
what we're seeing in the story or what we're about to see is some of the most explosive growth ever. I mean, Paul, we, 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 we always say Paul is one of the most uh, successful missionaries. The, the power of the Holy Spirit with Saul goes wherever. Doesn't mean he didn't face opposition. Doesn't mean he didn't face hardship. But man, God used Paul, didn't he? And so we're about to see the church grow. It's about to grow really quick and really fast and lives are gonna be changed. Churches, this is why I love Acts part two because in chapter 13 all the way to the end, we just see the power of the Holy Spirit. We see missionaries going and they, they operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lives are being changed. People are being delivered. It is incredible and we're about to see that. But, but I need you to understand where it started because it started by worshiping. It started with praise. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Witness to the world is born in worship in the church. Can I say that again? Witness to the world is born in worship in the church. I mean it. It's right here in our text. People who are passionate about praising God are going to be passionate about sharing about God. Because, because worship leads to witness. Worship leads to witness. You know, two years ago, Liz and I got to visit Yellowstone National Park. It was really cool. We've always wanted to see it. And uh, I'm gonna be honest, it was a, I tricked Liz into going. <laughs> it's been on her bucket list. I know I told you not to have a bucket list, but it's been on, it was, it was something she had always wanted to do. And so what, something I've always wanted to do was hunt elk. And there's a lot of elk up in that area. And so I managed to orchestrate a elk hunt up in the mountains of Idaho which is really close to Yellowstone National Park, and I did it on our anniversary. And the way that I was gonna get Liz to come was I was not gonna tell her about the elk hunt. I was just gonna tell her I've planned a wonderful trip to Yellowstone National Park, and she was so excited. We flew into Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and she was just so excited. She just had always wanted to do this, and so I took her to Yellowstone. Anyway, I'll talk about Yellowstone in a minute, but after Yellowstone, I said, I have one more surprise for you. <laughs> so we drive up to Idaho, and I'll, <laughs> I'll never forget, we drive up to this cabin, and uh, she says, well, this is, this is out here, isn't it? And I go, yeah, we're going to be in this beautiful cabin for two days, and we're sharing it with a group of 13 guys from Wisconsin. <laughs> And I got my elk. If you go in my office, I have a beautiful elk on my wall, but it came with a prize. And Liz, I love you so much. It was, it was such a beautiful memory with you. But what I want to focus on today is Yellowstone. So Liz and I went to Yellowstone National Park. It's a geological hotbed with Hundreds of, uh, how do you say it, geezers, geysers? I, I've heard it said different. Come on, shout it out. Geysers, that's the popular vote. We're going with it. So all these, all these geysers and hot springs. And we, of course, well, we wanted to see Old Faithful, right? Because it's the most, the most visited of all the, the, the geysers, geezers. <laughs> so when we got... <laughs> When we got there, we got there a little early, and so we walked. They have all these really neat little boardwalks all around, and we did that and visited gift shop after gift shop after gift shop. Liz loved it. I kept telling myself, two days, I'm going to get an elk. I can, I can do gift shops. And, and as the eruption got closer, we went and we got a seat. We sat on the bench, and as it got closer and closer to the time where this thing's going to do its whatever it does, uh, other people would come, and all of a sudden there's this huge crowd. Some people can't get on the bench, 
and we're all just waiting and ready. We've got our cameras in our hand, video ready to go. And then from the steam rising from the opening in the earth, first there's this sputtering of water. You know, you could hear different onlookers shout, oh, there she goes, there she goes. And then it would stop for a little bit. Not much later came the sputtering again, and it would turn into a fountain of hot water streaming towards the heavens 100 feet high. And everyone looked at it, just jaws dropping, eyes popping. It was amazing. It was beautiful. And the sense of wonder filled everyone that was there. They were actually, they were watching, and they were just amazed. They were spellbound. They were awe-filled as, as the dancing water performed its magic for a minute. You guys like my, my uh, poetic uh, gifts here? <laughs> and then it would quietly return to the earth. And I noticed something that day. Everyone who was there displayed a sense of awe, almost like a worship-like quality, really. I mean, they had witnessed something powerful, something, something from beyond themselves. And I heard these parents look at their kids and, and say, did you see that? Wasn't that amazing? Wasn't that awesome? Did you, did you see that? And I even heard little kids say, I can't wait to go home and tell so-and-so about it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell so-and-so in my class what I saw. And some were really excited. Man, can we watch it again? Yes, you can, another 11 minutes. (laughs) So some people left with this sense of reverence because what they had witnessed was something spectacular. Listen to me, the same dynamic occurs when we come to worship God. We should witness the spectacular hand of God. We're supposed to witness something beyond ourselves. We should be in awe, we should be spellbound, mesmerized by the life-giving, life-flowing power of God. We should be motivated to tell others about what we have experienced. What Old Faithful does for the tourists in Yellowstone, our worship of God should do for those around the world, right? This is why at New Heights Church, we're gonna be committed to send, sending out missionaries. We're gonna be committed to sending out. But I mean, one of our, our, our core values is we intentionally commission every member. We intentionally commission, you, you have got a call. We want to be a part of sending you out and fulfilling that call. I love what King David wrote. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Look at what another translation says. We will see this and worship him. Huh? Worship leads to witness. All right, number three, third trait here I see from this. A powerful church is going to be spirit-led. So verse 2 again, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. And fasting. What's fasting? You know, we see that in the Bible. By the way, I hate fasting. I absolutely hate fasting. It is my, I hate it. I just hate it. I have never been able to go 21 days fasting food completely, doing just a, a, a water fast. Never been able to do that during our 21 days of prayer and fasting. I've fasted other things, but never been able to fast food. Um, I tried to fast Skyline Chili. Don't laugh at me, and don't judge me. <laughs> don't do it. Uh, but, but listen, so what's fasting? Richard Foster wrote a book on the spiritual discipline, and in that book, he argues that the, the most important text in all of the Bible for establishing the importance of Christian fasting is found in Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 through 15. And I actually agree. I wanna, I wanna read you these verses, and then I wanna talk about it. So then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. 
So that last sentence is what the author says shows, at least in Jesus' mind, when he's taken away, that is, when he dies and ascends to the Father, there's gonna be fasting. So the context of fasting in Jesus' mind is longing, listen to this, it's longing for the not yet of the kingdom. So while he was there, they didn't fast because the bridegroom was present. But when the bridegroom was taken away to come a second time, there's this ache in the heart of God's people. Follow me. I like how John Piper says it. He says, fasting is a physical exclamation point at the end of our pleas to God. The exclamation point at the end of, the sentence, uh, of sentences like this, I need you. I want you. I long for you. You are my treasure. I want more of you. I want your will. The heart of it is, is longing, right? Longing for what? The Holy Spirit to move. We're putting, we're, we are putting our stomach where our heart is to give added intensity and expressiveness to our ache for the Spirit of God to move and to lead and to guide, to take over. We fast to express how bad we want the power of the Holy Spirit in the present moment where it's not completely realized. So we want to see people healed, right? We want to see uh, people saved. We want to see marriages redeemed. We, we ache and we long for this to happen. So we ask Jesus to come by putting this exclamation point of longing at the end of our desires. This church was fasting. The leaders and the members of this church had set aside food. I don't know for how long. I don't know the extent. I don't know all the details. I just know uh, for a they were pretty much setting aside food to seek God to say to him, pretty much like the words of Jesus, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Lord, our food is to do your will, to do your work. Here's the church in Antioch looking to God for direction, saying, God, what do you want us to do? What do you want, want us to do? We want, we want what you want. How do you want us to make your gospel, your glory known in the world? Show us where to go. Show us what to do. Show us who to send out. And this is, this is the attitude that God wants from his church. God has actually designed his church to be led by the Holy Spirit on mission in the world, which means God has designed New Heights Church to look to him constantly in prayer and fasting. This is how we are gonna know what to do. I mean it, it's so simple, and yet it's so true. And yet it's so neglected. <laughs> New Heights Church needs to say, God, more important than even the basic daily necessity of food, we just want to do whatever you want us to do. Show us how to make your gospel known in Cincinnati and all over the world. We need God to show us what to do, where to go. Show us who to send out. We'll do whatever you, you tell us to do. Because here's the deal. If churches really want to see, see God's power in their city, and let me just pause for a minute. Man, it is my desire that Cincinnati sees the power of God. It is my desire that Fairfield, Ohio sees the power of God. It's my, my desire. If that's my desire, I better teach you to listen for the Holy Spirit. I better teach to closely follow his guidance like the apostles did here, not simply to think up a, a bunch of great ideas for ministry, but we need God ideas. Good ideas are great, but we need God ideas. And if we're gonna have God ideas, we need to hear from the Holy Spirit. Guess what? Conversation is two ways, right? My wife always tells me this, Justin, conversation is two ways, it's not just you talking. <laughs> I know, honey. 
two ways. How can we hear from God if we're doing all the talking? And some of you already are, are, are already going to say, wait, wait, you mean to tell me, Pastor Justin, that you actually believe the Holy Spirit speaks to us? Because whenever I start talking this way, there's always those who say, well, you know, we can't, we can't use Acts as a pattern for our time. Things were way different back then. Sure they were, I get it. I do, but you cannot convince me that the only book God gave us with examples of how the church operates is filled with experience that have literally nothing in common with our own. Listen, Holy Spirit appears 59 times in the book of Acts. 59 times. In 36 of those appearances, he is speaking. He's speaking. You really think the Holy Spirit has ceased moving and guiding us and speaking to us today? It's like what John Newton said. It is really true that that which the early church so depended on, the leadership of the Spirit, is completely irrelevant for us today. Look, being Spirit-led cannot be irrelevant for us today. We need the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us. I love these, these sayings. When, we don't, when we're not looking for the Holy Spirit, when we're not waiting to listen to him, we, we, can't, we can't be moved. We're just, we're idle. We're just gonna sit. We're gonna do nothing. And guess what? Guess what? God will not steer a parked car. <laughs> he will not sail an anchored boat. If we want to be moving, we need to hear from the Holy Spirit. Come, right? It's so important, and it actually leads us to the next characteristic or the next trait, and that is this. A powerful church is sold out to the mission of God. Sold out. They were willing to do whatever God said to do. They, they were worshiping and fasting and saying, God, show us where to go. Show us what to do. Show us who to send out. And what does the Spirit say? Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Stop for a minute and think about this. I have to think about this because I'm a leader. So when I read this text, I'm like, man, that would have been hard. <laughs> the guy, they're talking about the, and I mean the Apostle Paul. You know, like the Ohio State. This is the Apostle Paul here, guy who wrote most of the New Testament. They've got him, they've got Barnabas. Let's be honest, everybody likes Barnabas. Who does not like an encourager, right? Everybody loves to be around him. Aren't you thankful for encouragers? I don't think we emphasize this gift enough. I really don't. It's crucial for a church. Being an encourager, that's a gift of the Spirit. And, I, and complaining and criticism, that's not. <laughs> that's not a gift. It's, it's not. But being an encourager is. So there you go. So both Paul and Barnabas, amazing leaders, we're at Antioch. They were teaching there. They were gaining quite a crowd. They were bringing growth. They were bringing health to the church. They were pretty popular guys at this point. The Holy Spirit says, I want them to go. Now, let's be honest. This doesn't seem like a good idea from a leadership perspective. I'm going to be honest. I think most of them probably would have been like, well, no way, Jose. No, no way. Not going to happen. Really bad idea. Come again, Holy Spirit? I mean... Are we sure the Holy Spirit said Saul and Barnabas and not Daryl and Bernard? I hope your name is not Daryl or Bernard. <laughs> if it is, it's okay. I just randomly picked two names. Are we sure it's not Daryl and Bernard? I mean, those guys, they're good, but they're not Paul and Barnabas good, you know? Let's think about what's best for the church. Okay, we got lots of people we can send here in this church, but why would we send the ones that are bringing growth and leadership to the church? Why would we do that? 
And here's the beauty of the church at Antioch. They were willing to send out their best. That's a spiritual discipline, by the way. It takes discipline on our part to trust the Holy Spirit. The church at Antioch knew that you don't negotiate with the Spirit of God. You obey the Spirit of God. You don't negotiate. You obey. So this church, so directed by the Spirit of God, so surrendered to the mission of God, that as soon as the Spirit said to send out their best, the very next verse says what? Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them. Listen, when a church is so committed to God's mission, they're gonna gain by losing. The church today, absolutely, absolutely, you heard me say it a couple weeks ago, must shift the focus from growing in numbers of attenders to training and sending disciples to make other disciples. Multiplication, listen to me, multiplication beats addition every single time. Every time. That's a kingdom principle. That's all, that's all, all churches need to adhere to that. We have to, and I mean we, we have to. We must shift our focus from building up our own kingdom to building leaders who will be sent out to build God's kingdom. So my job as your pastor is to equip you, to equip you, the saints, to fulfill your two major callings. Number one, make disciples and use your vacation for God's glory. Use your good job for God's glory. I have to help you learn how to leverage appropriate opportunities and skill sets to make disciples throughout the world. New Heights Church, right now, we, we've sat down. I was in meetings all week last week, and we, we realized we've got to develop a process for producing and empowering leaders who are in turn deployed into the world. Success can't be growing a large congregation, but, but producing more disciples that might not be a part of that sending congregation. That's success. I have to be willing to let go of some of our best leadership Remembering that we, can't, we cannot get, outgive God. We hear that all the time. You can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. And our minds, what? Go right to money, right? No, this is everything. We can't outgive God. We can't, uh, for me as a leader, I, I've got, isn't Abigail amazing? Leading worship every day? Like, I have to be honest. We, we're, we, uh, we've been talking about uh, different things like Easter production and stuff. And, and I, I've told, uh, or, or when we hosted the network conference, we had all the pastors from Ohio come here, and, and Abigail was up here, and Stephen, they were leading worship. And I can't tell you how many times I had people come up to me and talk to me about how amazing your worship leader. I told Liz, we can't have them on display anymore in front of other Ohio <laughs> pastors because somebody's gonna try to steal them. Like, I am not gonna, so whenever we have, let's hire out and bring other people in. And uh, no, Abigail's not allowed to lead worship at any of our pastor's conferences from now on, right? So we, we just, we, what about if God says send Abigail to Curacao, wherever you're at, Abigail? <laughs> what about if God tells me to send Stephen and Abigail to Miami or to, to New York? Let's make it cold so that they don't get too excited. We send them to Chicago, you know? You can't outgive God. We can't outgive God. So whether it's our money, our talents, our resources, we can't outgive God. Are we willing to give whatever God's asking of us to give, right? We've been given gifts so that we can in turn be blessing to others. The church was laying hands on members, even leaders who they loved. And they were saying, we're sending you out for the spread of the gospel to places and people where it wasn't yet. 
The success of the church at Antioch, it wasn't anymore by, measured merely by what happened at Antioch. And this is what I want you to see. The success of the church at Antioch would reach far beyond Antioch for the glory of God's name. Listen, the success of New Heights Church can no longer be measured merely by what happens right here in Fairfield. We need to think bigger. We need to think kingdom. A church that's built upon or centered upon the gospel, all about making Jesus famous, spirit-led and committed, sold out to the mission of God. And then the last trait is this, a church that's empowered by the Spirit. How many of you know we are a Pentecostal church? Few of you do, few of you. Okay, they were sent out from the church by the Spirit. Paul and Barnabas went down to Seleucia, then to Cyprus. They were preaching the gospel and on that island and then the proconsul, which is another word for the governor, all right, the leader of the island said, I want to meet with these guys. I want to hear what they're saying. So out of nowhere, well, not out of nowhere. We know where it came from. These guys from Antioch have just been summoned to meet with the governor to share the gospel. When they get there, there's this guy named Bar-Jesus, which technically means son of Joshua. He's later called uh, Elimus or Elimus or whatever. It doesn't matter how you say it. <laughs> He was a magician and a false prophet. Paul and Barnabas start sharing the gospel with the governor, and this guy gets mad. He gets upset. He starts to do whatever he can to stop it. He doesn't want the proconsul to believe what's being said. And what did Paul do? Probably like an old Western stare down, John Wayne style, right? At the end of Acts chapter 13, 9, he just looked at him and he said, Let's go. Come on, buddy. You're an enemy of all, of all righteousness. I'm going to call you out. He doesn't mess around with this kind of stuff. He's a true leader, and he's going to go right for the problem. And Paul said, stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord, and now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind. And immediately he was. Paul turned back to the governor after this and said, hey, where were we? <laughs> and the governor said, I believe this gospel. A church that is serious about spreading the gospel is going to face fierce, fierce spiritual warfare. Don't think for a second that the more that New Heights Church gives itself to the mission of God, the easier it's going to get. The more New Heights Church gives itself to the mission of God, the harder it will get. There is an adversary. There is a devil who is dead set on keeping this church from proclaiming this gospel. He wants this church to die. He wants this church to be irrelevant. And he is going to do whatever he can to make sure that happens. And the devil sometimes doesn't even have to go outside the church to make us irrelevant. We're too busy fighting ourselves. He doesn't have to do anything. Oh, that church, oh, we themselves. They're their own worst enemy. Let me tell you something about the early church. They were too busy praying and fasting. Too busy praying about, too busy doing God's work to fight with each other. Too busy to focus on the stuff that separated them. They don't have time to get caught up in the garbage that so easily destroys churches today and makes them irrelevant. I want you to know, the devil does not want the gospel going forward in Cincinnati. He doesn't want the glory of God going to the nations. So a church that is serious about proclaiming God's word, serious about the glory of God, is gonna find itself on the front lines of an all-out spiritual war. Satan is working constantly to keep us, you, me, members across this church, silent with the gospel. He wants to shut us up. He's working hard because he's trying to keep this church from sending people out. He's working hard because he wants to make sure that core value never is accomplished. We intentionally commission every believer. He does not want that to happen. 
He wants every believer to be a pew warmer. He wants you to sit and be paralyzed with whatever's stopping you from going forward. But I want you to know this, and right before Paul looked into this eye, the eyes of this guy, what does he say? Or what does the Bible say? Filled with the Holy Spirit. There is a coming upon of God's Spirit that accompanies God's people with power when they are in the front lines fulfilling God's mission. We are in Assemblies of God Church. It's called the Baptism of the Holy Spirit. A filling of God's Spirit and power that enables God's people to do what they could never do on their own. God wants to do something with you that you could never do on your own. He has a plan for you. And that plan, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it enables you to speak with boldness, to see God do what only God can do. And that's what's so amazing about this. this the exact same Spirit who filled Paul in that moment is the exact same Spirit who's dwelling in every one of you right now if you have put your faith in Jesus. And that's an awesome thought. It's the same spirit that's gonna be with you when you're, when you're at work and in your neighborhood this week, when you're at Skyline or you're at Starbucks, wherever. The same spirit will come upon you when you share the gospel. The same spirit, the same power at work in you wants to enable you to do what you could never do on your own. He wants to enable this church to do what this church could never do on its own. Peter was, or Paul was filled with the spirit. This is the Holy Spirit came upon him for a task. I want you to know Paul had already been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Again, as the Bible teaches, being filled, being filled with the Holy Spirit is an ongoing experience. Don't you want to have the Holy Spirit? Huh? Don't you want to have the Holy Spirit come upon you to do something amazing? It's actually in the present tense in the Greek. It's, it's being filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 commands us to be filled with the Spirit. And it's, it's in the present tense. So this is a fresh filling. We need a constant filling from the Holy Spirit, not just a one-time thing. Oh yeah, Pastor Justin, I was filled with the Spirit 10 years ago. You need to be filled again. <laughs> you need to be filled again. It's an interesting because the Holy Spirit sends them and then the Holy Spirit fills them. You and I have been sent. We need to be filled. We need to be filled. And I love this story in Acts. You know why? Because it reminds me that when people proclaimed the name of Jesus 2,000 years ago, it caused the blind to see, the lame to walk, and the dead to rise. The name of Jesus had the power to cause evil spirits to flee and cause even the most hardened hearts to come to God. And guess what? The name of Jesus still has power 2,000 years later. The name of Jesus still has power in 2024. The power of the name of Jesus is the only reason that little old church in Antioch was able to send out two missionaries who would change the world forever. The church at Antioch is a testimony to the power of God at work in the world. And so what about us? What about New Heights Church? What does God desire to do in, through this church and as a testimony to his power at work in the world? As a testimony to his power at work in Cincinnati and far from here for the glory of God's name. Tell you what, God's desire is this church be built upon the gospel, be all about making Jesus famous, be spirit-led, be committed to the mission of God, and, and be enabled by the power of the Holy Spirit to do what only the Holy Spirit can do. That's the traits that I want New Heights Church to have. So will you pray with me today? 
So in light of God's word, in light of what we just looked at, I want to lead us in prayer before him in two ways. And I'm going to have all of my board member, I didn't tell him this, if you're a board member, if you're one of my spiritual leaders, I want you to come up. I want you to come up. And, and, and I'm going to call two other ones up too. We've got an annual business meeting coming up. But Jeff, will you come on up here? And Tim Bubnick, will you come, up, come on up here? And my staff. Those who are in my staff, my pastoral team, will you come up right now? And then I'm going to do it even differently. I'm going to have my board come here. They're going to come right in front of me. Hey, Bill, you're wearing a, a good jersey today. Ian, where's yours? <laughs> Sharon, how are you? All right, Tim's coming up. Jeff's going to come up. Dale, Dr. Marr. And then if my staff is in here, Pastor Enos, all my staff and spouses, I want you to come up here as well if I can have all of my pastoral staff come up here. And then I'm gonna have all of those who say, this is my church. New Heights Church is my church. I've met all of you. I know some that have been at this church for 30 plus years. I know some that's, I, I remember when I first got voted in, somebody said, this has been my church my whole life. It doesn't matter how bad you mess up, it's always gonna be my church. <laughs> so for those who, New Heights, this is your church, you ain't going anywhere, I want you to come up too. I want you to come up. I know this is uncomfortable. We're going to pray. And for those that say, this is my church, and you've only been here three weeks, but you're like, this is my church. This is where I belong. I want you to come up. We are going to pray. And we're going to pray for an Antioch-like movement in New Heights Church. That's what we're going to do. A movement that would give God all the praise and honor that he so deserves. And we're going to thank God today for all that he's done in the past. God's done some amazing things in this church. We're gonna thank him for the stories we've heard. Then we're gonna spend a moment right now praying, God, we wanna do your work in the world. Show us what to do. Show us who to send out. Show us how to spread the gospel in Cincinnati and all the world. Look at this. This is incredible. I love this. We don't even have room at the altar right now. We're filling up the, the aisles. We're gonna pray. This is, a, make, this is a holy moment. I know I've gone over. I know I've gone over. So I want, you, I want you to do that. I want you to start asking God right now. I'm not, gonna, I'm not even gonna lead this. I want you to do it. We're gonna pray collectively. I want you just to start praying right now. We're gonna pray that God would do this. God, show us. Show us individually how we can move the gospel forward. What is our plan and our purpose here in this church? Start to pray that God, the Holy Spirit, would speak to us. We want an Antioch-like movement. We want New Heights Church to experience a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all of the lives and all of those who, who call New Heights Church their church. We need to be filled with the Spirit once again, continuously. We need the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us and directing us. We need a passion for, for this world. God, we need to be willing. These are dangerous prayers when we say, God, we're willing to do whatever you want. Do whatever you want in this church. Do whatever you want in the lives of, of your people. But God, we're, we are fully committed to the mission of you. Your mission, your purpose, to make the name of Jesus famous everywhere, to go and to make disciples. Speak to us today. Speak to us. God, show the power of your name to save this week across this city as we spread out with our jobs. We want you to show the power of your name to save. 
God, that you would start putting names of people on our hearts right now that we can pray for, that we can go, and the Holy Spirit would come upon us and we would be bold to share the gospel. Give us those opportunities this next week. We pray that you would grant us boldness to share the gospel. Open the doors for gospels to go forward. Open the doors for the gospel to go forward, I pray, God. Give us opportunities, Holy Spirit opportunities. Jesus. God, give us victory in spiritual warfare. Draw people in Fairfield, Westchester, Liberty Township, Hamilton, Springdale to yourself this week. And God, we pray in light of what we see you doing in the New Testament, what we see you doing in places around the world. God, would you pour out your spirit right here in this area. God, we ask that disciples would be made and churches would be multiplied, that you would be made famous. God, we pray for every single church in the Cincinnati greater area. God, that you would be the center of it all, of it all. That churches would say, we want God's mission fulfilled at whatever cost. We want you famous. We want you famous. This is about you. We want people to walk away from church services saying, only, only God could have done something like that. Only God. So we ask these things right now. Oh God, we ask these things for the glory of your great name with all an absolute confidence in the name of Jesus. Would you fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit now? Would you fill us afresh? God, would you pour your favor and your blessing on each of my board members, the leadership of this church, those that you have chosen? Will you fill them afresh with your Holy Spirit? Would you continue to give them divine wisdom and divine insight? Protect them, I pray, from the enemy. Shield them from the enemy. Grant them boldness to continue to support me as we move forward. Thank you for my board. Thank you for every single one of them. Gifted, qualified leaders that you have chosen. And God, I pray for my pastoral staff. Would you guard and protect their hearts and their minds? I pray that we would come together, unified like we have never been before. I pray for a fresh move of the Holy Spirit in each of our lives and in our ministries. And I pray for an anointing. God, I pray for the spirit of humility that we would want to see you glorified. We would want to see you glorified. And I pray for all of my ministry leaders, all of those on the dream team, from my ushers to my, my servers, to my greeters, to, to those helping in the kids' ministry, to those who are helping the youth. God, anoint them. Fill them. Come upon them with your Holy Spirit. Clothe them with your power. God, I pray for all of those who are here today and wanting more of you. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Move in a mighty way that our lives would be forever changed. And God, I, I'm committing, it's been committed to you, but we're gonna continue to do it. We're committing this church, New Heights Church, this facility, all of our efforts, all of our finances, 
everything that we do, we are committing to your service. Would you do with New Heights Church what you would want to do? And I pray that this would be a place that thinks kingdom and thinks big. I pray this in the mighty name.